and welcome to July's Horton Hangout. I'm Laura Horton. And I'm Michael Bentley. Hello. Hello, everybody. Thank you for joining us, whether you're watching on YouTube or whether you have downloaded our podcast. Today, we are calling this Horton Hangout um, an exclusive for managers and practice owners. And the reason we're doing that is because we have lots of questions relating to one topic. So we thought this hangout could be a fantastic reference to you all to keep going back and watching uh, or listening to our advice and our opinions on these key areas. And the key questions all relate and to, just to one thing really, which is staff, how to keep staff. Um, how to um, pay them, you know, what should you be paying them? And we have these questions come through all the time. And uh, just yesterday, we were having a discussion with one of our coaching clients as well. And that's when we said, let's just gather all these questions into one and let's just make sure we're covering all bases. And then you've got a reference for all of the practices out there to come back to. So I will warn you now, Michael and I are very opinionated on this topic, aren't we, Michael? We certainly are. <laughs> <laughs> so they are only our opinions so if you don't like them that's absolutely fine um i think the key one let's start this how much should we be paying our staff and this is just such a minefield and actually when i'm asked this question i sort of go oh gosh um because it's a huge conversation to have now there are reports that come out where people publish average earnings and all this stuff and i just think you should ignore them what do you think michael yeah i think i, I would ignore them and the reason for that is because we know time and time again don't we that it's about every practice being an individual practice and understand the experience that you want to deliver within your own practice and therefore the team that you need to deliver that experience you know for the patients and the working environment that you want to work in and every practice has got different decisions to make which will alter how much you pay somebody ultimately and I always go back to the Audi Waitrose experience because I'm a big Audi shopper and um, I really hate the experience I really really hate it but you know what they're paid i think approximately about eight pounds fifty an hour it might be even a little bit higher than that now and what i find interesting about that is they're paid quite a lot of money really or very similar to what dental nurses would get paid and they don't have to worry about their p's and q's they can shout over the shop they can shout to each other on tills they can just go no no i'm closing i'm closing you know put that over there i'm closing or they're like you know oh mate you haven't got the money or can you get this for me or whatever it may be and because the product is good enough obviously their customers keep going in because the prices are low the quality of the products is fine um and you know actually very very lovely to eat and everything but the people don't place their value on the experience that is delivered but in dentistry my feeling is is that we do look at the experience that we are delivering and if you're going to think about paying you know especially people like dental nurses you know the minimum wage for an example or not much more than the minimum wage it's a pound more than the minimum wage then I'm sorry but in my mind and it is my only opinion only are you having an Audi worker in your dental practice 
because for me, you know, when somebody decides to be a dental nurse, it is a qualification, it's a vocation, isn't it? It's wanting to be a dental nurse, it's wanting to be a front desk professional, it's wanting to be a hygienist, dentist, whatever it may be. And therefore, there's training that needs to happen, there's an investment in education that needs to happen. And I actually think, is that worth just £8 an hour or the minimum wage? Yes, when somebody is training, maybe as an apprentice or you are actually investing in that person's education, then our hourly rate is going to be lower. But I think what happens is, is then we get people that are trained in practice, which is a very exciting process. Then people's wages start to stagnate, don't they? They seem to just get into a bit of a, a, a mud pit, really. Um, I was in Western Supermare and they would say that actually when it rains quite a lot, uh, the sand goes quite muddy and you can actually get stuck in the sand. And I think that's what a lot of practice got into. They've got into, I'm stuck in the sand with all of these people that are paid you know, a, 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 rate, a, a wage range around £8, £9.50 an hour. Well, that's fine for a while, maybe a year, 18 months. But you know what? Once people start to think, oh, I want this, and I want a new car and I'd like to go on holiday or thinking about, you know, getting on the property ladder, for example, you know, that type of wage, people are going to go, well, I can't live on that. And I'm going to start to either ask for a pay rise, which might, you know, get varying conversations going on in practice of like so-and-so is coming and asking me for a pay rise. I actually feel if somebody's coming in and asked you that, then that you are now reactive, aren't you? You're not in control of that conversation. You, you're not in a proactive state of mind. You're being reactive to that situation. So you need to put in a framework in your practice, which I'm sure Laura will have uh, some words of wisdom for you, about actually you know, making sure that when people work in your practice, they understand the ways that they're going to receive and based on the number of years they're with you and whether or not they start to increase their qualifications or their educational knowledge in your practice. Because I'm sure Laura's going to talk about in a moment, you know, the training investment as well. And all those things you do need to think about, um, not just, you know, what the column of staff wages looks like and goes, oh, well, that sort of works for me. Because you know what? If somebody leaves your practice because they're not happy with your hourly rate, then and they go to another practice where the hourly rates are higher then you've got to reinvest completely in a new person to get them up to the level that person that's left the business was at and that is quite difficult to do and if you get a couple of two or three people that leave that same period that can set a practice back six months to a year of actually progressing their business is that a good place for us to hand over yeah, absolutely. And I think you have a domino effect because people talk naturally and, well, I've gone to this practice because they're paying me X amount of money. Oh, there's a job going. Do you want a job here? Um, my friend, a uh, very good friend, uh, Cheryl, I remember when I um, we had a job going and I rang her. I was like, we've got a job going. This is what we pay our nurses. And she was like, yes, get me. I want an interview. I'll send my CV off. Um, because it was very clear what everyone was paid uh, in that practice and it was a very fair scale which which is right but once one starts to leave others start to leave mm. and you do need to be constantly reviewing what you're paying your staff you cannot be the practice that pays the cheapest it's all about working out the business as a whole you should be investing around 17 to 21 percent 
in your DCP, well, not your DCPs, in your dental nurses and your front desk and your management. That's a and gross turnover. Growth of your turnover. Yeah. I'm <laughs> just pausing for a breath. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so that's of your gross turnover. And, um, you know, practices are usually under that mark. So there's room for investment, which is key. Uh, it does li link to your experience. So the better experience you want people to have, the better the staff need to be. But I just always say, there's two comments I make all the time. Firstly, when was the last time you lived off £9 an hour? Why don't you give that a go for a month? You'll soon find it's just not going to happen. Secondly, um, the cost to training a new team member and building, I don't care if they're a qualified and experienced dental nurse or qualified experience on the front desk, you've got to train them and bring them into your business and to do so is going to take six months of somebody else's time to integrate them fully into your business. And it's only at that point, six months later, that you're going to say, yes, they're now a full part of the team and we're happy to offer them a permanent contract. So the time element that goes into this is so demotivating for your team that are remaining in the practice knowing that others have left because they're going to get paid more elsewhere, that they could be getting paid more elsewhere. And what are they doing? They're left behind training and training and training and training. And it all just becomes too much. So if you want your team to stay, if you want your key people, and I'm sure you've all got people you're not too fussed about, but if you want your key people to stay in your practice, you need to pay them enough so they're not going to go anywhere else. It is quite simple. And on top of that, and this links into another question, is about packages. What can we offer our team besides excellent pay? So often we find some practices are contacting us. We've had a question sent through. Um, we pay our staff excellently. We know we pay them more than they can get anywhere else. However, they are still happy and they do not leave. What type of package could we put together? Now, staff leaving is another, <laughs> another exclusive hangout we might have to do, Michael. Yeah. There's, a, there's a huge problem in your practice there. Some practices pay huge amounts of money because, um, it, it, not that it's because it's hard work, it's because it's not a nice environment. It's like a, um, what do you call it? What type of pay are they getting there, Michael? I've lost my words. Oh, I, I don't know. Oh, you know, like they're getting extra money because it's tough work. Um, Really their environment isn't uh they're getting compensated for the environment that they work in that's yeah. it yes thank you good teamwork here um but in regards to packages that you offer i mean this is a great time of year to bring in to discuss about the annual retention fee it's 116 pounds we're now on the 25th of july but there's a huge amount of dcps we've got over 60,000. but you know in regards to dental nurses there's a huge amount that probably haven't paid this yet why? Because they're waiting to get paid probably tomorrow mm. on the 26th. Uh, no, not tomorrow. <laughs> they're waiting to get paid on Friday, the last Friday of the month, or they're waiting to get paid on the 31st, the last day of the month. And that's when they're going to pay it. And I firmly believe that practices should be paying the annual retention fee for their dental nurses, not their hygienists, for their dental nurses. At the end of the day, it's a tax deductible fee for you. And it really shows your nurses that you support them. And again, it's something we both feel quite strongly about, isn't it, Michael? Yeah, definitely. I mean, we, we used to pay them at our practice. 
and uh, of course indemnity insurance is now part of being you know GDC registered so again that's something that you know you need to provide for your nurses what I would say to the nurses very uh, carefully is that when you are working here, we will pay for those items. If you cease to work at our practice, then we will take a percentage back of the investment that we've made. So if you've just paid, let's say the registrations now, obviously that, that they're paid for the whole year, aren't they? But if somebody leaves next month, I'd expect to take 11 months worth back of the, that investment that you've paid and make that very clear that it's whilst they're working with you. So it's a package about them working alongside you. I also feel that nurses should be supported with professional development. It's an area that you know nurses need to do and there are solutions where the investment doesn't have to be high. Yes, there's opportunities to bring people into your practice to do core skills so that you all do them together and maybe it's one day out of the business rather than you know losing three nurses this day and three nurses of that day and you might find that interruption to the business is easier to do one day and get it all sorted and there's varying companies out there that can provide that for you um, you know I would say the DBG would be one of those and, and also you know the dental nurse network you know Laura and I are very much about keeping our own skills and our own knowledge and although we attend courses and I attend courses I've attended courses recently you know on, on mental capacity and children's vulnerability and I've got x-rays five hours of x-rays booked in later this year um, I you know we still work um, alongside the dental nurse network where you can purchase you know packages for you know all the verifiable CPT where the nurses can read very detailed articles and they can answer questions and then they get an hour of verifiable CPD and that's a good way of you know investing in them it does it's not a huge amount of money but it just shows the nurses that you really care about their education that you really care about their you know their, their investment in their CPD and that they, their education and keeping their skills up is as vital as keeping up your own. Because we know, dentists, that you love education and that you attend a lot of courses and, you know, your very verifiable CPD for most of you is off the charts. So, you know, you don't struggle to get this. Whereas the nurses, you know, again, you know, they, they get entrenched in their lives. They come in and maybe work you know in your business for many many hours or they've got children or whatever it may may be and it's it, interesting isn't it because I think Laura and I, I think you and I suddenly realize a year has gone and you think oh gosh I, you know when was the last time we did some CPD we've just been talking about it haven't we you know um you know it's it, it's a good time of year for us to actually to do CPD isn't it so you know we've both invested over the last month of doing lots of CPD um so I think it's really important that you do the registration, the CPD, you know, the indemnity, um, bearing in mind that, of course, it's all going to be changed into verifiable CPD, and they're all going to have to do reflective writing, which for a lot of them is going to be uh, a bit of a, oh, you know, we've got to do a reflective writing piece. So we've got to uh, confirm them. I think the big challenge, though, is how much do you pay? And I think, really, for me, if you're in an NHS practice, you need to be looking at, yes, are you going to be doing minimum wage because the business that you're in doesn't allow you uh, to pay, you know, top wages. And of course, that's the big slanging match that's happening in the public sector, you know, week on week, isn't it? How much do we pay um, with public money? And that's an argument that we won't get into on here. However, when you're in a private practice or you're a mixed practice, you need to be looking at, you know, minimum 
probably £8, £8.50 an hour, stretching up to £15 an hour, depending on the workload, the, the experience, what they do for you. And, you know, are they those gold star people? Um, and if they are, you need to protect them. Lots of practices are being very clever now and putting bandings into the practice that are very clear that if you're in the practice for three years, you have these qualifications, you've done our educational systems program, you will get paid this. And it is the same. So that all the nurses know, if I've been here four years and I've got radiography or a health education and I've done the systems in our practice of treatment coordination and for decontamination and I work with the implantologist um, and I've got an upskilled, you know, nurse clinic as well, that my pay will be top band, you know, 14, 15 pounds an hour. You know, if you're a senior nurse in the practice, you will be paid this. And again, it stops the nurses tweeting or twittering, if it was Game of Thrones, you know, all the little tweeters that actually start to undo practices because they start chatting about, I get this and I get that. And with recruitment, this is the main problem. I've got a question here about, you know, when I'm trying to recruit somebody, what I'm finding is I can't, I can't recruit anybody because what they want to come in on as a salary, we don't even pay our existing nurses now. And, and that question, I get, we get again, we get that question a lot. And the reason for that is, is because of that, that stagnation thing, is if you allowed your, uh, your expenses in staff area to stagnate, you haven't brought the nurses up, Practices around you in your local area are paying uh, people more. And therefore, when a, pay, a person thinks, oh, actually, I really want to work that practice because I've heard great things about them, and they go, I'm on £10.50 an hour, it's like, well, it's a non-starter because all our nurses are on £9.950 an hour, £9.75, so I can't employ this nurse. And I think if you're finding that situation, that's the time you need to start doing a review of your salaries in practice because it means that your area is paying more than you are. And if one of your nurses leaves to go to another practice, it might be somebody that you're not that bothered about. But nurses are S characters normally, which means they're steady people. They're very, very loyal type of personality. And that's fantastic for your business. But you know what? When one goes, they go, oh, well, if you can go, maybe I can. Yeah. And they start to move out of your business quite quickly, which really does start to, you know, implode your business and start to uh, draw you back from being able to be visionaries and be able to move your businesses forward. So you need to think about not just the short term impact, but also the long term implications. So you've got to get it right. If you've got your banding and it's clear and it works for you in your business and that's time to go back, well, this is how our business operates. These are our bands. And if we're not the right practice for you, then that's fine. But you do need to do that work to ascertain where you are, what you want to be and what investments you're making. And then you can start to look at what the patient experience looks like from there because we have a lot of conversations with you know we'd love to do a front desk experience but there's only one of me and I'm trying to mix treatment plans answer a phone welcome patients make them a cup of coffee you know I'll get the broom and sweep that with my ass if you like so you know what if you want to do amazing patient experience it needs more than one person so you've got to think about the experience which is obviously what all the patients remember and we could harp on about experience for like another hour and a half which we won't 
and actually, you know, the staff in your building. And we all know when people see the same people, you know, week in, week out, month by month out, that's really powerful for your brand experience as well. It's a very powerful brand experience. And patients really like that. And dentists, if you think about you and the brand that you offer the practice and your face of the brand, that's the most powerful thing that you have. I'll let you take over from there. I think one of the other things um, that causes a lot of disharmony in practice with the team as well is that annual pay rise and what's it going to be? And I can't stand annual pay rises. Ditch them in your business. People should be paid based on their performance. Why should somebody who phones in sick a lot, isn't reliable, is very good at making themselves look busy, we all know these people um, happen, you know, they are in your business. Why should they be given a pay rise just for the sake of being given a pay rise? Um, I think that's absolutely wrong. Pay rises should be awarded based on performance. What are these team members doing for your business? If they're doing great things, if they're bringing money in, if they're supporting the dentist, you know, a well-trained, outstanding nurse equals a productive dentist. So if they're helping to bring money into the business, they're essentially earning you four times their salary a year, then yeah, great. You know, they should have a pay rise. But it's really frustrating. And I actually left a job once because this practice had an amazing system and it was a banded pay system. And I went into that practice and it was based on your qualifications and how long you've been qualified as a dental nurse and what qualifications you had. It wasn't about loyalty to the practice. Um, so I went in on actually quite a high, probably one of the highest hourly rates in that practice at that time. Um, I think I was just below the, the senior nurse because I had um, radiography, I had my OHE qualification, um, and I, I'd been nursing for years. So I went in at a high pay scale. They then sold that practice. And then what was brought in was this annual pay rise. Um, and I left the practice, I kid you not, because one of because of this percentage thing that they did, I don't know how they worked it out, but basically someone who wasn't as experienced as me, wasn't even qualified, you know, I was doing hardcore dental nursing, sedation all day, implantology, and someone who wasn't at that same level as me ended up getting uh, more per hour in pence than I did and that was it I was I was gone I was out of there I wasn't going to work in a practice like that that was just so unfair when they had something so fair in the first place that also links to bonuses so if you want to package increase your packages have good packages bonuses need to be fair and I think fair has to be the key way forward in your practice with any pay, with any bonuses, with any uh, CPD courses, etc., that you offer, you have to be fair because otherwise people will leave or they'll raise grievances in regards to how they're being treated. And it's just more headaches along the line. So if you're doing bonuses, it should be based on performance. Um, you know, they should be, uh, well, sorry, let me backtrack. Bonuses should be rewarded only in a win-win situation. So the practice is in profit, and you're going to share a small percentage of that profit with your team. It should then be divided pro rata, and it should then be divided on performance. So for example, someone's had a day off sick, my bonus system, there's no bonus. On the next payable bonus, you're not getting anything, because that day you've had off sick has been a nightmare for everybody else. 
uh, and everybody else has really had to work their socks off. So there's many things that you need to look at, but everything you do needs to be clear cut. When you're advertising positions, you need to be saying from. So salary from dependent upon experience. So when people ring up and say, well, how much are you paying? You know, Michael, until I've interviewed you, I'm not able to offer you a package at this point in time. It would depend on your um, success in our interview process. Would you like to send your CV in? I wouldn't be discussing on the phone, well, we're going to pay £9.75 an hour. I wouldn't even be going there. It's this package. They've got to go through your interview to even be offered uh, an hourly rate. You've got to get them in the practice to be able to you know, start winning people around, particularly if you have been the practice that's been paying low wages, you're known for it in your town, you're now going to make a change, you're going to pay fantastic money for a great package, then you need to change your brand message there. You don't give out your hourly rate on the phone. You only do it in an interview. And I just remember so much loving when I was shown, well, Laura, this is what you're going to be paid. You've been a dental nurse this many years. This is your hourly rate. And you've got this qualification, so you'll get this extra. And this qualification, so you'll get this extra. How fair. Wonderful. It was great to work in a practice like that. We, The last practice I worked in, we used to pay all of our nurses the same wage. If they're qualified, if they're able to work in all of your systems to a high standard, I firmly agree they should all be on the same wage. Without a doubt, make things simple. Um, and I know, you know, so many practices just have problems with people leaving, people coming in wanting more money than you pay. And as we've said today, you've really got to do something about this. This is destroying your practice. You can't be successful, you can't be profitable without the right number of staff, without the right people, without paying them properly. Why else should they go the extra mile? And I think what Michael said earlier about LD is great. You know, and there are so many dental nurses leaving dentistry to go and work in supermarkets, to go and work in you know, jobs that don't demand anything of them. Mm educationally they don't you know demand any commitment from them they can go in they can do their job they can go home and you know what unfortunately it's not that they've always wanted to do that but the mindset the mentality they've developed over time has made them go down that route it's not also we know there's a nurse shortage as well don't we Um, and I think that's really important and I think you know number one tip as well is uh, obviously make sure that you've got a copy of their previous payslip because we talked about didn't we yesterday Laura about you know people inflating their wages not going to come in and go oh I only earn £7.20 I did I used to bump mine up by an hour a pound an hour you know you know you're going to do that (laughs) one last question I've had um to, to, to do with this is that my team are tired of continually to train apprentice nurses in our practice we feel that they're tired what can we do about it and i think this does link in with our overall theme as well that you know when your team are in a good place that is a great time to invest in a trainee dental nurse because you're, you've got the team members around you to be able to train somebody well, to train the systems well and to give the right hints and tips so that that person can add something into your team and not feel like they've got to be a fully fledged qualified dental nurse. 
And, you know, teams do get tired of training apprentices, but also dentists, I want to remind you, you get tired of having them in your surgeries as well. You get frustrated that their aspiration technique isn't right. They don't know where things are. They don't do your notes properly. Um, they don't uh, interact with the patients correctly, et cetera, et cetera. If you're going to pay an apprentice nurse, I think it's about £3.50 an hour now, um, since the you know the rise is about two pounds twenty, I think when I was in practice only like eighteen months ago, that rise has gone up a little bit. Let's have a think about three pounds fifty, because that's not a lot of money at all. So if you're expecting a fully fledged amazing nurse of three pounds fifteen fifty an hour, I think you just need to look in the mirror and have a wee little chat with yourselves because you know what. You know, there's a reason why nurses are paid a certain wage to work alongside you. And if you've got a nurse that's paid a low wage or you've got a, a lot of apprentices in your practices who are not being trained properly, then you are going to be frustrated. You are going to be more stressed. You are going to run late. It is going to impact on the patients. It is going to impact on the other members of your team. And everybody's going to go home feeling stressed. That's the way that it is. And yes, all of us can deal with stress in a short period of time. And some of us uh, excel on stress. So for a few weeks, even a few months, teams can look like, wow, can't they cope well on, you know, this level of staff? But, you know, there's only so far you can stretch a rubber band before it goes ping. And you really need to think about that. I'm all for apprentice nurses. I think they're great. But... For every one that's amazing, it seems to be about two or three that are not so good. That seems to be the ratio that we are seeing when practice talk to us at management courses and reception courses and management, you know, all those and when we were in practice. So you need to think about, are the team in the right place to, to, to train an apprentice? Have they got the time to actually train the apprentice properly? And if those two answers become a yes, then yes, okay, it's great to have an apprentice. And some larger practices obviously need apprentices. I mean, we've got some practices have got, you know, huge amounts of staff in their practice and they have an apprentice program, you know, week in, week out, and that's absolutely fine. But they have somebody dedicated to training those apprentices because they know that their model yeah, uh, means that they need to keep uh, working with apprentices and training all the time. You just can't leave a trainee to get on with it on their own. It's not going to work. And again, we see this on the front desk. You know, you've got a new person in, they sit there, they're answering phones, they don't know how to answer a phone, they don't know how to greet a patient, they don't know how to do a treatment plan conversation. And things go wrong and it's not identified straight away. There's, you know, bookings go wrong, but they're identified, you know, months later and then you have a string of them. And again, you have all the impacts on the diary, the nurses, you as dentists, hygienists, et cetera, et cetera. So this wheel keeps going round and it has got you know, if one thing isn't right, all, it all starts to uh, fragment. So it is based on the people that come into the business. And I would say to you, if you've got an opportunity to review, then do review, because we know that the nurses pool is in short supply. We definitely know that. And maybe the quality of the nurses isn't where we would like it to be. But we've all got to work together on this, you know, to make nursing attractive for people. 
make them want to come into dentistry, like for me and for Laura, who are attracted to come into dentistry. And you've got to make it, this is Rory, by the way, uh, we've got to make it attractive. We have, yes. We've got to make it attractive for those people to want to come into dentistry. We can't, we can't be losing all the staff to the supermarkets because, again, Tesco have recently released, haven't they? They're going to increase their wages, which are very much on the nurses' wages that we're paying now. And Laura's absolutely right. People will think, do you know what? I can stack a shelf, not have to worry about CQC, loads of systems. All I need to do is put Weetabix on a shelf. Yeah. We, we've got a client, and uh, it's a very small practice, um, very, very small, and I've been working for a long time. And he um, took on an apprentice last year, but he did something a little bit different, and he uh, is paying the living wage. And this girl is absolutely out standing he has definitely hit gold but by offering that higher wage for an apprentice that did attract somebody who needed to be very proactive very forward focused she's uh, she's not 16 she's she's still you know I think she's about 19 but she's absolutely amazing she's doing all her dental nursing she's also working on the front desk and she's started to dip her toes into treatment coordination as well she is amazing and that practice will support her and develop her in a way no other will um and i'm sure she's going to be there probably for forever um she you know she is a it's a win-win situation there and that's what you've got to look at so and finally, I just want to say, uh, I know we've talked a lot about, you know, um, things that the team have to invest time in. One of the things that I'm noticing that uh, managers have to invest a lot of time in is managing HR, difficult apprentices, because they are very young people that need, that are also growing within themselves as well. And that needs time. Yeah. yeah? So, you know, there is investment in HR alongside everything else as well. So if you want your manager to be working proactively on the business, yes, they need to invest in positive HR. And you can read articles about positive HR, you know, uh, on a webinar and all those kind of things. But HR is another area that people don't realize so much time is being invested in. So it's HR training as well are two massive areas. Yeah, definitely. That you know, I know what we're discussing today could feel a bit negative for some of you, um, but really what we're trying to show you is there is a light at the end of the tunnel. And if you want to keep your staff, have a happy team, have that loyalty, have them be spreading the word about how great you are, wanting them to train others and say, we're ready for an apprentice, then the first and foremost thing to do is to pay them correctly. And there is not this, you know, north-south divide of, of pay. Yes, in London, you are paid a lot more. However, there is no difference to a practice in Norfolk um, to a practice in, in, in Birmingham. You know, salaries are the same. I said this to someone the other day. They've got a fantastic person moving from Essex to somewhere else. And I said, well, she's going to have a great quality of life, isn't she? Because she's moving to an area where the hourly rates are going to be the same. She'll get paid the same, but the cost of living is, is dramatically lower. So great, you know, how wonderful for her. Um, so, you know, you've just got to think about, you know, how much do your nurses need to live on to have a life, to enable them to enjoy their life? Work-life balance is key. They shouldn't be working harder to be happier. Um, they should be happy from working and enjoying their life. And that's really key. And that's the type of message as a good leader you want to be putting across to your team. 
Um, we are going to be back in August with another horse and hangout. So do keep sending your questions in. A lot of them are coming in as Facebook messages. That's absolutely fine. Whatever way you prefer to communicate. Uh, we will answer as many as possible for you. And hopefully you have this one to reference back to for a very long time when it comes to discussing your team, wages, how to keep people, etc., etc. Thank you for joining us. I hope you enjoy watching this or listening to on our podcast. And we'll see you again next month. Bye. Bye. Thank you.